You know, when I was uh, <clears throat> in children's church, when I was four or five years old, we, uh, we used to sing this song, and uh, you know, 40-some years later, it's still with me today. I still remember it. And uh, I think it's because it impacted me at that age. But <clears throat> I, I want to sing the song for you. Okay, I shouldn't hear laughter when I, <laughs> when I say I'm going to sing. But this is... Uh, <laughs> I know you love me, so it's okay. Uh, but this, yeah, this will also prove why I'm not on the worship team. But here's how the song goes. And some of you probably know this song. It goes, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> um, I believe there's a lot of truth in that song. How many of you know as God's people, we are called to obedience? Some of you are looking at me like, can Pastor Phil just come up and rap again? Or do we have to, <laughs> we really have to hear about obedience right now? Um, but we're called to obedience. John 14 and 15, Jesus himself said, if you love me, obey my commands. John 15 and 14 says, you are my friends if you do what I command. Jesus said that too. Jeremiah 7, 23, God says, obey me and I will be your God and you will be my people. Walk in obedience to all I command you that it may go well with you. See, our obedience is a sign that we belong to God and that we love God. And life goes better for those who obey. Amen? Amen. Who obeys his word and who obeys his voice. As parents, how many of you know that, that life goes better for your kids when they obey? How many of you knew when you were kids, life goes better for you when you learn to obey your parents, right? I got some sore bottoms to prove that. I got some, some, some soap mouth-washing circumstances that happen in my life. I'm still seeing some counseling for that, but, um, but 11... Luke eleven twenty eight says, Blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God and obey it. You know another word for, for blessed is happy. Did you know that? Happy are those who hear the word of God and obey it. There truly is no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. How many of you are familiar with the blessings of our covenant agreement with God? It talks about it in Deuteronomy chapter 28. How many of you are familiar with those? Deuteronomy 28 verses 1 to 14 talks about 
the blessings that we can have with the covenant, that blood covenant that we have with God. And then in Galatians, it talks about how, how um, as, as believers in Jesus, that those blessings still apply for us today as believers in Jesus in our new covenant with Jesus. But some of those blessings are going to be blessed when you go in and, and blessed when you go out. That, that the, the enemies, your enemies, are going to be defeated before you. That they're going to come at you in one direction and flee from you in seven. It says in that Deuteronomy 28 that God's going to send rain on the land. He's been doing that. And he's going to fill our barns. It says that we're going to lend to many and, and borrow from none. It said we're going to be the head and not the tail said he's going to bless everything that we put our hand to. And we get so excited about that, and we should, as children of God. But you know that in those 14 verses, four times, God says, if you obey, then I bless. Four times in 14 verses. If he says something once, we got to take heed. Is that right? But when he says something four times, we better be ready. If you obey. God's plans, his promises, his peace, his provision, his protection. All of that is impacted by our obedience. And so if that's true, if life is truly better when we obey God, then why don't we always obey? What causes us to hesitate or to delay when God speaks? What causes us to justify our disobedience instead of just obeying? What causes us to flat out ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit? What causes us to rebel against the word of God and do things our own way? And the answer is there's something wrong with our hearts. We've got some heart issues. Our choice to obey and rebel comes down to our hearts. And I really believe this morning that God wants to bring a refiner's fire. And just burn away the chaff. Burn away the selfishness and the pride and the rebellion and just bring us to our place where our hearts bow. And we say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. How many of you want to be in a place where no matter what God calls you to do, no matter what the word of God is speaking in your heart, that you say, yes, Lord. How many of you? Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Today we're going to talk about what that obedient heart looks like. Let's pray. God, I just, um, I just thank you, Lord, for your presence. I thank you for, for your love. I thank you for uh, fun and laughter. I thank you for just being here, Lord. 
And God, right now, um, I, I just feel like I need to rebuke guilt in this place. In the name of Jesus, this message, this word is, has nothing to do with, with guilt. So I just come against that in Jesus' name. And God, I just pray that our hearts are going to be open, that our, 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 our minds are going to be open to your word and to your voice today, and that we are going to clearly hear your voice. Because no matter where we're at with you, no matter where we're at, You've got a specific rhema word for each one of us today. And so, God, I just pray that we're going to hear that word and not just hear it, but we're going to respond to it. We're going to be doers of your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, number one, an obedient heart is fully surrendered to God. Proverbs 23, 26 says, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. When I read that scripture this week, I just started to cry. It just broke my heart that God was asking me for my heart. Because that means there's still some parts of my heart that I need to surrender. And it's something that we need to do every day because how many of you know that every day there's opportunity to take it back? I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if many of you have surrendered to God and given your heart to God, but, but there's always those, those times and those opportunities where we think we know better. Is that true? And we take it back, right? And ultimately to surrender our heart to God means giving God control of every part of your life. It means complete submission. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways do what? Submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. See, surrendering to God is really acknowledging Jesus as king. How many of you acknowledge that Jesus is the king of all kings? Amen? It's acknowledging his, his kingship. It's bowing down to his sovereignty, his authority, and his power. It's bowing down to his way of doing things, his will, his purpose, his plans. And when we surrender, we're inviting King Jesus to sit on the throne of our hearts. That's what it means to surrender. We're inviting King Jesus to sit on the throne. We're saying, God, my body is yours. My, my words are yours. My thoughts are yours, God. My affections are yours. My time is yours. My steps are yours. My decisions are yours. My possessions are yours. My relationships are yours. It's really making Jesus Lord and Master. How many of you know that you're not your own, but you've been bought with a price? Amen? 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 talks about that. 
Jeremiah 10 and 23 says, Lord, I know that people's lives are not their own. It is not for them to direct their steps. But then there's stronger language in 2 Corinthians 4 and 5. It says, we don't go around preaching about ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord. All we say of ourselves is that we are your slaves because of what Jesus has done for us. We are slaves of God. See, before Jesus, we were slaves to sin. After Jesus, in Jesus, we're now slaves to righteousness. We don't like that word slave because in our culture, when we, think, we hear that word slave, we right away think of someone that is owned by another person against their will and they're being mistreated. Okay, that is a detestable relationship. That is not what God's talking about here. Okay, in, in Exodus 21, we see a different kind of slave relationship in the Jewish culture and it helps us to understand what it means to be God's slave. So I just want to read Exodus 21 for you. Now these are the rules that you shall set before them. When you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh year he shall go free for nothing. But if the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife, my children, I will not go out free. Then the master shall bring him to God, he shall bring him to the door or the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall be his slave forever. So I just want us to understand what's happening here, okay? So poverty-stricken Jews, what they would do if they're really poor, they would sell themselves to another Jew. And the law of God required that, that as a slave, as a servant, that you'd be treated with justice and kindness. And then after six years, because every seventh year was the year of what? Yeah. Jubilee. And after six years then, that servant, that slave would be allowed to, would be set free. Would be set free. But if that servant, if that slave grew to really love their master, then they could choose to become a servant to their master for good. They can make a lifetime commitment after that six years. And please understand, only the slave could make this decision. So he's willingly surrendering himself. This was the act of a man who, who voluntarily saying to another person that he's come to love and trust, I'm yours. I belong to you. And now I'm gonna spend the rest of my life serving you. I'm going to spend the rest of my life in obedience to your word and to your voice. And then they'd mark his ear. They'd put a hole through the slave's ear because it was a sign that for now on, for the rest of his life, it's, it's a signal that he's going he's gonna to hear and obey the voice of his master. And when we choose to invite Jesus to be our Lord and our Savior, we're choosing to surrender to Jesus for our whole life because of his love for us. We love him because he first loved us. So we make that lifelong commitment to God and we say, God, I'm yours. I belong to you. And now I'm gonna spend the rest of my life serving you 
and doing your will and listening and following your voice. Hallelujah. And the reason that we surrender our life to God is because he's the only person that's qualified to take it. I like this this scripture in Job. God stretches out heaven over empty space and hangs the earth upon nothing. He wraps the rain in his thick clouds and the clouds are not split by the weight. He shrouds his throne with the clouds. He sets a boundary for the oceans, yes, and a boundary for the day and for the night. The pillars of heaven tremble at his rebuke and by his power the seas grow calm. He's skilled at crushing its pride. The heavens are made beautiful by his spirit. He pierces the swiftly gliding serpent. And look what it says in verse 14. These are some of the minor things he does. Merely a whisper of his power. Who can withstand his thunder? How many of you know that our God is all powerful and he's all knowing and he's everywhere at once and there is not a day that he hasn't already seen and there's not a heart that he doesn't already intimately know and there's not a scenario in this life that he's not already played out in his mind the infinite amount of scenarios he doesn't just know what's best but he just knows nothing surprises him Nothing happens where he goes, wow, I didn't, I thought that was going to go a different way. He never says that. There's no one more qualified for us to surrender to than for God Almighty. Amen? And that makes him a good father. Would we ever, would we ever question or think it unreasonable when we see a mother driving her small children in the minivan, but she's insisting that she's behind the wheel? Would we ever think, wow, what a control freak? (laughs) No. She's behind the wheel because she's the only one qualified to be behind the wheel. She's the only one that's going to keep them safe, that's going to help them to get where they're trying to get. Amen? So that doesn't make her a control freak. That just makes her a good mother. Right? So God wants our hearts. It's not because he's a control freak. It's because he's a good father. And he knows what's best for us. And he loves his kids. Amen? So number one, an obedient heart is a fully surrendered heart. Number two... An obedient heart obeys God in the little things. Obeys God in the little things. Luke 16.10 says, The one who is faithful in a very little thing is also faithful in much. See, when we're obedient in the little things, then God now can trust us in the big things. Do you know that David never would have been in a position to kill Goliath unless he first was obedient in the little things? Right? The only reason David was at the battle in the first place is because he chose to obey his father. His father said, go take some food to your brothers. 
That's the only reason he was in a position for victory. It was all those little acts of obedience that allowed God to trust David to be king. Right? If we want to do big things for the Lord, how many of you want to do big things for the Lord? To Pastor Phil and Pastor Andrew, April, <laughs> Elliot. Okay, so I'm talking to four of you. Um, if you want to do big things, you four, you need to do the little things. Right? God puts those little tests of obedience before us to see if he can trust us. Right? He did that with the Israelites. Look at Exodus 16 and verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, I'll rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. So God gave them the most little, most insignificant, most simple task to see if they would obey him, whether they valued his voice. They didn't. They weren't ready to leave the wilderness. They weren't ready to go to the promised land. They weren't ready to, for the big things that God had for them. But God still works that way today. Before he asks us to do those big things, he's going to give us some opportunities to prove that you're going to obey him in the little things. Do you know one of the best places in this world that can test our obedience and give us all those little tests of obedience? It's the grocery store. It's the grocery store. How, how many of you, first of all, when you come to the grocery store, how many of you actually park between two yellow lines? <laughs> or, or are you the one that, that crowds the line or goes over the line so no one can park beside you? Right? I call those, affectionately, I call those people morons. <laughs> And you're like, no, I always try to park in the lines. Okay, but what about when you get out of your car and you realize you didn't park very well? Do you get back in the car and straighten it out? Or do you justify your disobedience? I'll just be a minute. Right? What about, what about when you're in the store and you take something from this end of the store, and now you're at that end of the store, you realize you don't need that thing anymore, and instead of putting it back, you put the head of lettuce in with the frozen pizzas. Yeah, yeah, guilty. You're laughing because you know, I know why you're laughing. That costs time and money for somebody right? Okay, what about, what about uh, food sampling? Does food sampling turn into a meal? I got to be honest with you. I got called out. I got called out on this. So I, I, I have a thing with grapes. I can't eat soft, mushy grapes. Blech. They got to be hard and crunchy and juicy. And so when I, you know, I feel them and sometimes I I taste them. I'm like, oh, that's good. So I put it in my cart. And the last time I did this was three weeks ago. And so I'm going around the store. That was the first thing I put in my cart. 
And so as I'm going, I'm just eating these grapes. And so I'm not even thinking anything of it. But then when I get to the till, I notice that she's, she's charging me based on how much it weighs. And so that grapes is much, weighs much less than it did when I first got them because I was eating them all throughout. And I was kind of like, <laughs> and, and then the Lord's like, you can't do that. That's stealing. How many of you, when you go to the washroom at the grocery store, you flush the toilet? You know what? Don't you even. There, there, someone is not flushing the toilets. <laughs> How about this one? You know when you, you, get, you get coupons, sometimes you get multiples of the same coupon, right? So you can get some free stuff, some discounted stuff, but, but then you read the fine print. It says one per customer, so instead of just using one every time you go to the grocery store, you bring all the members of your family, give them each a coupon, make them separately go through the till so that you can get 300 toilet paper. Okay, and of course when we leave, what do you do with that shopping cart? Right, you put it back to the to the cart station. Yeah, well, God knows if you're telling the truth. But you know, none of those are big crimes. Would you agree with that? Um, they don't have big consequences. Um, might be a little embarrassing if someone calls you out on it. Um, but they're tests. They're tests. Tests of our character, tests of our integrity, right? They prove to God whether we value his voice or not. Little tests. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us, become, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. And I'm not sure that was talking about grocery store carts, but, but um, we, can, we can make it at work. So an obedient heart obeys God in the little things. Number three, an obedient heart waits for the Lord. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and don't lose hope. Wait for the Lord. You know, this one's so hard for me. I'm very impulsive. Any impulsive decision makers here? Anybody? So you can relate. When I go to the store to just get milk, I never come back with just milk. I usually come back with a hundred bucks worth of what, who knows what, because my eyes saw it. And my wife, I mean, Charity, like, she'd send me for milk, I'd come home with all this stuff, and she'd just be like, why? And I'd just say, I don't know. <laughs> um, but, um, but now she doesn't ask anymore. She just knows who she married. And, <laughs> and sometimes that's, I think, one of the, con, you know, helps you be content in marriage is just, just know who you married and just, <laughs> just deal with it. Um, but it's so easy to walk in disobedience 
when we make these impulsive decisions instead of waiting for God, right? right? And waiting for his timing and for his plans. And, and, and those of you who have done that, who've waited for God, it is such a beautiful thing when you wait for the Lord, isn't it? Um, about a year and a half ago, we, we, just, we just offered Andrew this position of associate pastor. pastor. <laughs> We're not sending him to pastor just yet. Um, we offered him that maybe a month ago, but a year and a half ago, a year and a half ago is when I first felt that nudge of the Holy Spirit to, like, we need this guy. And, uh, and, and within the same um, breath, because God knows me, he said, not yet. Um, and then Andrew and Tammy started to attend King's Corner Church about a year ago. And, uh, and so, and so um, I brought up the, I, I brought up Andrew to the elders a year ago. And I said, hey, I, I, I'm not saying it's time right now <laughs> because they know me too. <laughs> um, but, um, but let's, you know, let's, let's watch. Let's just watch. Um, and, and let's start praying. And a year and a half later, looking back at that process and looking back at God's timing and looking back at all the confirmation over and over and over again and, and looking back and having conversations with Andrew through that time. His timing is so perfect and it's so beautiful by waiting, by waiting. Andrew and Tammy had an opportunity to choose King's Corner. Isn't that cool? Right? They had time to hear God's voice and, and choose our church family for themselves. Right By waiting, the elders and the pastoral staff, we had time to see for ourselves the heart and the character of Andrew and Tammy for a year before offering them the job. And we're talking about this process. We're like, so I was talking to the elders, like, do we need to have an interview here? Do you guys want to have an interview? And ask, he said, no, we don't really need it. We've been having an interview for a year with, with Andrew and Tammy. Um. And so by waiting, everyone had time to get on board. By waiting, the Holy Spirit was able to confirm over and over and over again for so many of us that Andrew's the guy. By waiting, we got to have peace and joy when we offered Andrew the job. God's timing is perfect. God's plan is perfect. An obedient heart, this is Romans 8, 28. An obedient heart knows that in all things... God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. See, when we have that understanding, when we have that faith, we don't have to go ahead. We don't have to go ahead of God, right? Because there's that trust that he knows what he's doing, right? We can wait for the Lord, like it says in Psalm 27. Amen. So number one, an obedient heart fully surrenders to God. Number two, an obedient heart. Uh, what was number two? Number two, an obedient heart. What was it? Obedient heart. Obedient heart. 
<laughs> obeys God in the little things. Amen. And number three, an obedient heart waits for the Lord. Waits for the Lord. Uh, I just want to invite our worship team forward. I just want to end our service today. I just want to pray for you. And, and um, I just really believe that God wants to uh, just change some hearts today, that he wants to just bring our heart into alignment with his, right? And, and if you're feeling any kind of condemnation, any kind of guilt, that's not from the Lord. Okay, that's not what he's about. He doesn't want to condemn you this morning. He wants to bring you into right relationship because he loves you and because he wants the best for you. Does that make sense? So let's just pray. Let's just pray. And then after I'm done praying, I'm just going to have you immediately go into our last song. And in that last song, you go ahead and you just respond. You just be with the Lord and, and just respond to his voice this morning. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, um, I just thank you, God, for your son. I thank you that he surrendered to you. I thank you for his obedience to you. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the work of Jesus Christ. And so, God, I just pray that we're going to continually, every day, follow that example of surrender and obedience. That every day we're going to surrender our hearts to you, Lord. And so right now, I just want to speak against any spirit of rebellion in this place, in Jesus' name. Any heart that has a spirit of rebellion, we come against it right now in the name of Jesus. Any heart that has a spirit of control and manipulation, we come against that right now in the name of Jesus. And we command those spirits to leave in Jesus' name. We, we bind those spirits in the name of Jesus. And we replace those with the Holy Spirit, hallelujah. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just fill up our hearts right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, I pray that we're gonna be a people that follows you, that we're gonna be a people that obeys you even when it's hard, even when we get canceled, even when it doesn't make sense even when our, 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 our sinful nature is just waging war against us. I pray that we're going to choose you, that we're going to choose obedience, we're going to choose surrender. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.